Welcome to our Portuguese Table Podcast. I'm Maria Lott and these are in Greenbean. And I'm Angela Samos, and we're just two chicks dishing about Portuguese food, culture, and what it means to be Portuguese. So grab a glass of vinho or un copo de café and join us as we talk about our favorite foods, reminisce about growing up Portuguese, and interview some of our community's most successful chefs and food writers. So, so sit, sit down, down at, at our Portuguese, Portuguese table. Hey everybody, just a quick uh, disclaimer on this episode. We did record this episode before Easter, but with our publishing schedule, the way things worked out, this will be published after Easter. So apologies for that, but we hope that you still enjoy the episode and uh, that you had a wonderful Easter with your uh, sweet bread, your flawed, and all the other delicious uh, Easter treats that you made. And um, and that's it. So yeah. well, again, we're really sorry about that, but yeah. Hey, that's how it goes how when it goes. we're so we're trying to do as much as we can folks, but we apologize for this. No problem. Well, we'll pay attention to the, to the calendar and publishing schedule a little better next time, <laughs> but uh, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy. Hi everyone. Welcome again. We're so glad that you uh, can be here with uh, myself and Angela. Hi hello. Angela. Hello. Hello. Hey, how are you, honey? I'm all right. How are you? I'm fine. I'm excited about today's show. I this know. Is now, this is now our fourth or fifth? Fourth. I can't remember. We've, been, we've oh done a few already. We have. We're doing. It's we're just. Well, bye. We're cranking them out. <laughs> I know. It's good. And I hope, uh, I hope everybody's been enjoying listening to them. We have had some, uh, some sound issues, some sound quality. Yeah, issues. a little. Just a just little. Just a little. Just a little. But that's because not everybody has Skype, so we have to do some on their phone. And phone is now the old tech, right? It really is the old <laughs> tech. Isn't that something? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, folks. So, we understand that if sometimes one person is very clear and the other one isn't, we really have no control over that. It is yeah. all depending on what kind of phone they're on as well as if they're on a most recent phone or an yeah. old phone you or a landline. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. we we can't control it. The key thing, folks, is forget that and just know that what we're trying to bring to you is amazing. And at least we think it's amazing. I think so. I think so, too. <laughs> I think we're doing well, a good job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm now, I'm at the table now, Angela. I've got my glass of wine. What are we talking about today, honey? What's what's on your mind? What's on my mind? Well, yeah, you know, talk to me. Easter's coming up. Oh, yeah, it we're is. In, we're in the middle of Lent. Yeah. And I'm not doing well with the no bread thing. Oh, that's right. You've been on the no yeah. bread thing. Yeah. Oh, not so, boy. It's been so hard. <laughs> Have so, you thrown yeah, in the towel yet? Not, well, no. Every day I try to start new. <laughs> 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 and today I've been actually pretty good. I haven't had oh, bread today. Oh, good. Good. I think it's the first, first day. It's the longest I've gone. So far. Now, have you been cranky? No, because I still have my coffee. So bread isn't really one of those things. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. If I don't have my coffee. If there was a doctor ever that told me I should never drink coffee again, I would just change doctors. No, I, all I hear all the time yeah. now is that all these great things about coffee. The oh, key, of, of course, is always moderation. But heck, folks, sure. what isn't? You know. Yeah. But I just read something today on 
Huffington Health, which, you know, the Huffington Post is where I get my news now. Isn't that something? And <laughs> But Huffington Health was saying that doctors are saying drinking coffee helps with liver, cirrhosis of the liver. So I'm like, not that I have cirrhosis of the liver, but yeah, for no, those but... that do, that's an, ama- that's an amazing thing with that. that so is. I think it's a preventative so yeah. I think the more we drink, the better it'll be for our liver. So. Yeah. It's supposed to be a diuretic too, but I think I'm so immune to the effects of that. that yeah, you know, no. Uh, I just that's... love the taste of espresso. And we have an espresso machine. The, we the do too. The machine, the little Oh, pods. nice. Nice. I love it. Ugh. We used to have the, you know, grind the beans and pack it. And we used to buy Delta beans, which were, in our view, the best. Yeah. And um, it was great. And then we went to Portugal and they were all using these little machine pods we're like hey let's do it and it's it's been awesome we even have one that we take with us when we travel is that not terrible or no you don't it's we took it maria we took it to hawaii you did not (laughs) we did is that hardcore or what wow that is hardcore you are definitely um yeah so i'm with wine you're with a cup of coffee okay that's Okay. okay It's going to be one of those days, folks. It is It is a happy hour for you. It's still it working is. hours for me, technically. Well, that's right, because you're out in California, so some yeah. hours back. I'm ahead. I'm. It's dinner time for me right now. So, yeah, yeah. So this is perfect. So are, um, you, are you planning your menu already for, for Easter? You know, I really haven't. I mean, usually I have all – well, I have all my girls now that are off in college, mm-hmm. and – I'm hoping that, you know, they'll be coming home for Easter. So that'll be a good thing. And then usually what I end up asking them is if there's anything special they want me to make for them. Nice. Because when they're away like this, I really want them to have something that, they, that they've been craving or sure. that they've been, been away from home or this time. Like, exactly. Sure. Yeah. So it, our... Easter's typically now are not the same kind of Easter's that I grew up with. So it's a little different until things all settle down again. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. Yeah. So I, what's, what, was it, what was it like for you growing up? And then what are the, so what are some of the things you used to make that maybe you don't make now? Well, I always make the thing for the one thing that I still do is I make sweet bread. I make my masa. Right. Right. That that is hands down still something my mom would make, but whereas my mom would make enough masa or sweetbread to feed a village. <laughs> I swear to God, yeah. she would make I think every flat surface in my home would have loaves of sweetbread wow. on it. And everyone from my neighbors to family, down to her grandchildren who would have a smaller, a smaller masa with their own egg on top. I Uh mean, everyone would get a loaf of my mom's masa. So it was, it was quite an ordeal in our home and it, everything had to be delivered Saturday by Saturday night because Sunday morning you would want to have right. that for breakfast, you know? Right, right. Um, so, yeah. So I remember being young and seeing all of that happen and down to when I could drive to take the breads to some, drive over to some people who we couldn't walk over to to take them the sweet bread and deliver some for my mom. Nice. So, yeah. 
Nice. Yeah. So I, I will continue to do that. That is a given. And my girls, inclu- and as well as my husband, they just love sweet bread. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They just love sweet bread. And I with butter. Yeah. It's, oh, yes. My God. See, but the thing is, is the growing up, it was very rare that I would have it toasted. Oh, yeah. Because we would never have that much of leftovers. <laughs> To toast, I swear to God. It was like, and I have people who say, oh, we make sweet, um, what do you call it, French toast with the the leftover sweet bread. And Uh I'm thinking to myself, I never experienced leftover sweet bread. So So I know there's stuff out there to do with it, but I've just never done it because we've always eaten everything. Everything is like. I, I swear to God, we, you turn into, I remember being married with my children, waiting in my mom's living room for the next batch of sweet bread to come out. And then my sisters would all be coming because everybody would come over, whether to get their own loaves and to take some, to deliver some. I mean, it truly was a work of many. And we'd be like three kids all of a sudden. We weren't in our 30s or 40s at that time. We were little kids like trying to like break into that loaf of hot piping sweet bread. And <laughs> my mom would be like, you know, get away, get, you know, get out of here, get out of here. Cause you know, and it'd be like, oh, let's cut into it now. How about now? How about now? 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 And uh, and she'd be like, no, you don't want to cut it to it. You know, and it would be the same thing all the time. You don't want to cut it too soon because if you do, it, you know, it gets all mushy on the inside. It kind of it, it okay. just is, is not good. So you've got to wait till it cools off before you okay. can cut it really because it kind of falls apart when you do. Um, Didn't it, know that. It, yeah. So, so the thing is, is it was all of these like rules that we had to go by, but Sometimes we didn't care. We still cut into it and put butter uh-huh. on it. And my mom would be, yeah, it's not the right thing to do, you know. So it would be – but we'd, we'd be grown, married women acting like – Like children. Little, That's funny. Yes. Yeah. So in the – so I looked up an article or some information about Eastern traditions that were Portuguese because I, I assumed that there were many that I didn't know about. And in the Algarve, because you mentioned that people make French toast out of it. Out of yes. So apparently in the Algarve, they call it, and I guess in some places, foulard or foulard. 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 I don't know. That's what this Foulard, yeah. Is. And it's eaten as a sweet. And so they put several layers of melted sugar, cinnamon, and caramel on it. So it's more like a cake than a bread. Ooh. Does that sound just. See, it's funny it? how funny things are because you talk about. Flour and there's flour of like a crisp um, Easter flour with the egg, the Easter. Egg, okay. We would call that with the you know the hard boiled egg that would go in it, yeah. and you yeah. know they would call that a flour. Then, so is that different than sweet bread though? No, the t- only difference is you would put the, the egg in it, the egg in it on top, and you would only do that for Easter. Right. So, okay. so that would be the flour de Pasqua. That would be the egg and the sweetbread. Then there's the flour de carne, which they use like a almost like a brioche kind of bread, but hmm. it has meats in it. And they call that un flour too. So there's 
all these like different names for flobs, and I never heard this one now. So what, what is, is it again? How is this? The bread is it alternates with with sugar and cinnamon and caramel. It just says that it's eaten as a sweet, making it closer to a cake than the classic Easter bread with several layers of melted sugar, cinnamon, and caramel. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm wow. willing to try it. <laughs> I'm, I, yes. For those that are listening out there and you know how to put that together, please send yeah. it to Angela and I. Um, yeah. we, we'd love that. Share, uh, share. Yeah. And I love you have a story too about when you were um, – so that we've learned one thing here that you don't cut into sweet bread too soon or else it will get mushy. And yeah. then you were making sweet bread and it wasn't coming out and you learned that you have to keep the dough wet. What makes yes. it wet? Well, what's funny is, is I, I love baking bread. It used to be something that I was always intimidated about because of, of the live yeast and like thinking, you know, I have to also be careful with it because you don't want to get live yeast in like uh, under your nails. You don't, you know, there's all of these things of working with yeast that you've got to be careful with. And, but in the meantime, I would always be like, oh my God, you know, how am I going to do this? How is this going to come out? And it would intimidate me. And I tried many times uh, baking different types of breads and uh, sometimes it just wouldn't work. Well, come to find out, you know, yeast is alive. Um, it is alive. So if you put things that are too hot in it, it kills the yeast. So oh. if you, yeah, so if you put, you know, you're going to add some milk into it, all that, well, you've got to make sure that that milk isn't too hot at the time because once you put the yeast in it, the yeast dies and it's never going to rise on you. So huh. I, I, learned, I learned the hard way by, by ruining lots of breads. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, but, you know, that is the only way to learn. You, you just, have to, just have to do it. And somebody had said to me, when you're kneading bread, you know when it's done. Because when it's done, this is regular bread, you know, when it's done, it just comes into play. You, when you're rolling it with your hands and you're pushing it over and it almost like becomes smooth hmm. when you're putting it together and you can hit it and it, I don't know, it kind of like jiggles a little and it just, it has that, that consistency that you just know it's done. She's mm -hmm. like, I can't explain it. You, when you do it and you keep doing it, you're just going to know. And then one day, and I'm like, of course, I, all the other times I failed, you know, I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And then finally, one day when I was making the bread and I was kneading it and I was doing it and coming together and all of a sudden it started to look beautiful. <laughs> like all of a sudden it was like, oh my God. Oh, it was almost like, like, the clouds <laughs> opened up, you know, it was like, this is bread. And it was, be it just looked beautiful. And I, I think I had my husband like take a picture of me holding that uh, dough in my hand. Cause it was like, this is it. This is it. Mm -hmm. I got it. So, but with bread, you can pick up the dough, you can knead it, you can hold it in your hand. It's, it's drier. You know what I mean? It's not okay. something where you put it in your hand and it's going to be all mushy and sticky on your hands. It's it's not. It's it's just a real nice. And of course, you've got flour in your hands too to make sure everything stays nice. But you can pick it up. You can put it down. You know that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, in making sweet bread, again, my mom 
didn't have, um, we couldn't find her recipe. We just, we couldn't find it. No one knew how to do it. And then we found something with some ingredients on it, but no amounts or this or that. And, you know, it was one of those things because I know everybody out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm like, you know, okay. So then I talked to someone and someone else and they'd say, oh, she means this, this, and this, and this is how you do it. So I would try it and then failed every time, failed every time. And sometimes it wouldn't rise. And sometimes it wouldn't, it was all lumpy or it would be as hard and heavy. It wouldn't be light and airy. And I'm like, well, what's going on? What am I, what am I messing up? Well, then my sister, God bless her, after I don't know how many failed attempts of sweetbread, she uh, was cleaning out one of my nephew's stuff. And my nephew has moved, had moved away by then um, out of college and off to He's out in Denver, as as a matter of fact, you know, many years ago. And so she was like cleaning out his room and for something or another and found a sheet of paper where it was my mom's sweet bread recipe. In your nephew's room? In my nephew's room. Weird. In in between like a something, there was a recipe. And so she called my nephew, David. And she had said to David, David, I found this. And he's like, yeah, when I was like 12 years old or something like that. She wrote it down for him. She wrote, no, he wrote it down. He he wanted to see how my mom made sweetbread. Now, whereas my sisters and I were like, get out of here, out of the room, get out, whatever. Uh And my dad would be the one helping her. Well, you have a grandson going, Vava, can you show me how to do it? And what do you say? Yeah, come on over, David. Sure. So he wrote it down. And there's like designs and and like charts and all kinds of like little (laughs) things on it. Like he wrote like little notes. And I mean, he went, he has his, um, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if he got his doctorate in it, but in library science. So he is like, oh, wow. He's he's very about getting everything right and uh-huh. whatever. Even at the age of 12, he was already like that. So he has all that stuff written down. In my, so my sister g- gives it to me and I'm like, oh my God. So I've got to call David. I'm like, David. He's like, Maria, I had, T, I hadn't even thought of that. I had forgotten all about that. <laughs> and um, a long time ago. That was a long time ago. So I'm going through it and I'm doing it. And the dough is so wet. It's like really wet. Like, I'm like, I'm doing something wrong. There's got to be something wrong. Sticky on my hands. And where is the bread? You can, uh, bread dough, you can actually pick up the dough and hold it in your hand. If you were to pick this up, it would go through your fingers almost. It off to the side of your hands. It's not a, a dry dough. It's not like bread, even though it's sweet bread. Okay. So I would keep adding flour in it, Mm -hmm. thinking I'm helping it to get it to be, but the bread would rise. It would take forever to rise. And not only that, but it would be a very dense masa. Not the light, yeah. It's not light. Kind of light and, yeah, spongy. Exactly. So until one day I'm talking to this one lady and I don't know if it was Rosa or if it was, I was talking to her, if it was after the fact or it was my aunt was my aunt after because I worked with my aunt on the cookbook too, my aunt Lalia. And she was like, 
no, Maria, don't add extra flour to it. The dough is wet. It's a wetter dough than regular bread dough. And then all of a sudden it was like, like oh. oh, okay. Because I have people when they do the recipe, uh, now they'll send me a message saying, I followed your recipe, but it's kind of wet. Is it supposed to be like this? And it's like, trust me, it, yeah. it just, just bear yeah. with, just do it. And it does, it, it rises faster, it, um, it's lighter, it's not as dense. But then it's funny, I, I, we're saying we want it light and fluffy and not as dense. I have people, depending on which village or island or oh, the continent, sure. mm-hmm. they want dense. Yeah. So, you know, you just... So if you want it dense, folks, just add more flour. Flour. You know? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a big that was a big thing for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm super intimidated to try it, and both my grandmothers make it quite well. I, and you know, I don't think that my mom or either of my aunts have tried to make it either, or if we've made it, it was like with my grandmother's supervision. But yeah, we'll just have to do it the, one of these days. Maybe this, maybe this is the Easter. Maybe this is. I, you know what? If we'll your it. grandmother still makes it, Angela, you need to get yourself right in that kitchen with her. Yeah, I know. You really do, honey, because it, it's so important. It's one thing to have it written down somewhere by someone who interpreted it one way, but it's another thing to actually make it with them. Yeah, no, I know. And we, you know, it's funny. We used to do a lot more of that with her when we were kids, Mm -hmm. but now that we're adults and we have busy lives, you know, we just don't have, we don't make the time, but we have to make the time because you have to make the time and you need to have your daughter in there. So that, and I know she's still young, but she's got to start getting those memories. Yeah. Yeah, She's got to get those. Yeah. She's got to be able to figure that out. And, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's, that's a good thing. It's all a good thing. So also in this article, one thing that I didn't know is that on Easter Sunday, you actually have lamb. Do you have lamb? No, I don't have lamb. We usually have ham. We usually have ham, but not lamb. Lamb, yeah. But apparently Easter Sunday is you're supposed to have lamb because, let me get to that part. Yeah, so roast lamb is usually eaten on Easter Sunday. It's a heritage from the Jewish tradition, which celebrates the Hebrews' exodus from Egypt and the sacrifice of the lambs in the story of their flight to freedom. So I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, and I know growing up we never had lamb. Lamb was not something, maybe that's more continent than it would be um, Azorian because the we really did not eat any lamb. Did you do bacalhau on what was Good Friday and the Good Friday, Friday and Saturday? Yes. yes. Yeah. It would be fish before. The Friday and Saturday would be fish. So it would be bacalhau. It would be um, a brota, which is hake. It would be cavallo, which is the mackerel, the, the grilled mackerel, mm-hmm. which is amazing. The stuffed grilled mackerel. Oh, my God. That was always amazing. <laughs> um, so it would be all of these different dishes of with different fish, depending on what was at the market, at the fish market at the time and whatever. Uh, but bacalhau was always a staple. But with, I'm going back to lamb. I, I'm even thinking of, because um, I know in the Azores, there's different, like depending on where you lived, like my family, it was from Lagoa, which was closer to the ocean. So for us, we had a lot of fish. Fish was a, a big, 
um, right. staple in our in our family for eating. But for meats, it was the chicken, it was pork. I mean, it was a lot of pork. It was chicken, and then it was beef. But my dad, he loved rabbit. Oh. Um, he loved to eat rabbit. But that wasn't something my mom cared for. So she would only make, like, enough for him if she had to. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there were some, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, some family members. I remember them eating goat. But, hmm. uh, cabra. Easter. Yeah. But I don't remember ever having lamb. I know my sister's um, uh, in-laws, that her, their in-law family, they were from Pufasan, which is up in the mountains. And they were much more gamey. So they ate a lot more rabbit. They ate a lot of um, bird, like duck and okay. um, that kind of stuff. But they also ate karnish, which is um, partridge. If I'm not mistaken, oh, okay. they used to eat partridge. So that's something where, again, that wasn't something that I grew up with at all. Hmm. Um, so I think it might depend on where you're from, hon. I really do. Uh, probably, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, as, lamb was not it. Yeah, as with anything. So you guys would make just like a, a regular ham or like the honey baked? Do you guys have honey baked out there? They do. My mom would do ham, but my dad was not a big. Um, it would usually be like the pork shoulder. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, it would be a pork shoulder. I'm so American. Yes, big ham. <laughs> <laughs> Just go. Put, do you place your order for the honey baked? Ah, oh, no, I didn't make it yet. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> no, it was a pork shoulder, rubbed down, marinated, roasted. Yeah, it was that kind of stuff. Yeah, old school, old school stuff. Yeah, old school. and then what would what would go with that? Do you have potatoes? Do you have rice? Do you have? It would be the roasted potatoes. Uh, there would always be sweet potatoes also because okay. uh, we all loved sweet potato. Always mm -hmm. roasted carrots. Carrots always came around, and even to this Funny. day, my carrots. Um, I, I've got to roast them because roasted carrot. Once you roast carrots, you can never eat carrots any other way. I'm sorry. Like yeah, boiled or anything. Yeah, roasted. Oh, God, no. Roasted roast root vegetables generally just are so delicious. They're just the best. Yeah. So really um, so my mom would roast that. She would roast the white, the red, uh, I mean the white potato, the um, the sweet potato, uh, the carrots all together, to be honest with you, all in the roasting pan. And it would just be amazing. And then, of course, there was always – my dad loved beets. Really? I always remember – beets on our table because okay. my dad loved beets so there was always beets <laughs> I don't know why yeah. that came, came to my head right now I'm just imagining the table right now and mm -hmm. there was always beets and it would always be in front of him hmm. because he would he would love it I think the man could be fed beets every day and he would eat <laughs> it today um if it was a special occasion and we could find some this is now later on. It would be the taro root or the yam. Um, oh yeah, that would be that would be very special. And you cook an yam or a taro root uh, like you would cook a potato, right? Uh, but they're very. Um, it's a different consistency. The potato. They're a little bit smoother on the inside, and, but the flavor you really need to salt it. Um, there's not much flavor to it unless you salt it and my dad liked it spicy so my mom would cook it separately with um red pepper 
the red pepper sauce, the pimenta mal- uh, malagata in it. So it'd be really spicy. That was something he liked again for him. And then it was just, you know, vegetables, whatever other vegetables was in season and stuff. And yeah, that would be it. I mean, besides the bread. and Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for us, I, I you know, thinking back on it, I think we definitely had a lot more. The Portuguese found its way into our lives through desserts more than ah <laughs> yes because like we would have your it's a fairly traditional American Easter dinner, yeah. but then we would have the sweet rice and the biscoits and and lots of other Portuguese. Desserts, and then of course there would be maybe a lemon meringue pie and stuff in there too. But yeah, you uh, got to throw some of them in there. Yeah, we we certainly kept the the Portuguese dessert tradition. No, least, I'm, yeah. I'm, th- I'm thinking of now a dessert thing. You just said that about lemon pie. This past Thanksgiving, we literally had like all these Portuguese desserts, all of these desserts, and then we had a pumpkin pie in there. <laughs> <laughs> like the one token (laughs) yep yep you gotta have it you gotta have one token in there (laughs) but you know it's funny I never I never liked sweet rice too much I think it was a consistency thing for me oh but I I do love alatria which is basically the same thing you just make it with spaghetti yeah pasta. which is funny how I I mean the consistent it's just a consistency thing I don't know why but I love that and I didn't have that until I was an adult. I want. To, I want to say I was already thirty by the time I had that. Oh wow! So now your, your daughter does she like both or? You know she's had sweet rice. I don't think she's had alatria because we don't have it very often. My the only time I've ever had it, my mother in law has made it a couple times. But yeah, no, she's had sweet rice. I think she likes it. You know, she's not a big sweet tooth. She'll take like a bite of something and then and then be fine. Though she does love her chocolate milk, but she yeah. loves. Um, she loves pickled things or savory things. Like last oh. night we had, we had a very Portuguese meal last night, just, uh, peixe cozido with, mm-hmm. with, uh, couve and batata with olive oil, nice. azeite, vinagre. Yes. And she eats it like it's the best thing on the planet. And it's so funny that she'll eat that. And then you, you know, put like grilled chicken in front of her or something and, she may or may not eat it, you know. She's so. a green bean, Angela. <laughs> she is. She is. So um, I love it. Yeah. So she loves yeah vinegars, anything that's pickled. Loves olives. Oh my god, she'd eat a whole jar of olives. Oh, those are good. You know, yep. you're saying pickles. Uh, pickled. This weekend, I had, I hadn't had it in a while because again, if I have it home I'm going to keep eating it and it's the same thing with olives if I have an open jar of olives or if I have any I'm going to just I know it's there and I'm going to keep at it um pickled onions I love pickled onions I don't know that I've ever had those other than like the cocktail onions that you stick in a cocktail no pickled onions are really really good oh my god those are really good they're small or they're big or uh, they're medium size. You can buy them in, um, we can find it here in the market already done for you. And they come in uh, a glass container. They all have like pickled peppers and they also have pickled, um, onions, but at a market, the Portuguese market that we have here, the family makes it. So they, they pickle okay. it themselves. So and it's a Portuguese thing. It's definitely a Portuguese thing. Okay. And they use like a smaller onion. 
uh, the white onion. But by the time they pickle it, it's almost like a little purple. Hmm. So I have no idea what goes into their pickling. But all I know is it is amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I love this pickled stuff. It's so good. So Yummy. good. Mm. So we'll have to get her to try pickled onions. Yeah. Well, when you come out here, you got to bring a jar because <laughs> well, I, I should check our, our market. We have one market out here in San Jose that carries quite a few things. So I can look. Yes. See if they have it. Yeah. So the other thing that this article I was going to ask you is, so I'm sure you have godchildren. I do not. You don't? Well, okay. I don't. But you're a, you're a godchild of someone. I right? am. Okay. So – Again, this could be a regional thing in Portugal, but tradition dictates that godchildren offer their godparents an olive branch. Flowers Never are even, part of that. Yeah, flowers Never. are even sweets, such as an Easter almond, Easter oh, almonds, that, or chocolates. That I do. That I go by my tia, which um, I had my, it's funny, I had two madrinhas, and my madrinha of baptism which was my godmother and also my grandmother, my mom's mom. So oh. she was, she was madrenga. Okay. And I would always call her madrenga. I would never, I never called her Vava. That's Vava, funny. Vava was my dad's mom and my mom's mom was my madrenga. Now, when I was confirmed, I picked my aunt Lalia so to, be, one, right? to be my madrenga. Uh-huh. And so she's my godmother. And, um, but I would tell her, I said, Tia, I'm, I have two madrengas now. How, how am I going to do this? Because I always call her madrenga. Am I going to call you madrenga? You know, all that. And she was like, no, you can always call me Tia. Just call me Tia. And you stick with your original madrenga as madrenga. So that's how I, I had all my life. But when it's Christmas, it's Easter, it's, you know, any of those things, I always go um, to her house and I bring her something. I always do. And it's That's usually nice. something sweet. But this week, she came over to my house bringing sweets. <laughs> I, I had a, it was a reversal. She, uh, <laughs> she got to you before you got to her. Yeah, she's so cute. And she was experimenting on a dessert. And she had found, and it's a bean tart. Um, it's a dessert. And it's okay. a red, the red kidney beans. And so she experimented on it because one recipe says you have to, you know, soak it in water for a long time and you've got to shell the beans. So you've got to take the skin off the beans. Okay. And so she did it following that recipe, but then she took half of the beans and she put it through a blender because she figured back then they didn't have a blender. So if she used that, could she do that? Could we still taste the skin on the bean. <laughs> so I love her. We're always like, I'm testing stuff. I go to her. She tests stuff. She comes to me. That's and, uh, and so we're, te we're tasting the sweet. It was so sweet. And, but I knew which one she had. Um, she did not skin it. Cause oh, I could, really, you could tell, yes, I could tell, I could taste like a little bit of the, the, pe the peel of the, um, the shell of the bean. I could taste, I could, I could, uh, the consistency of it, it was smoother on the one that she had peeled the, the casing off, but oh, we are, 
But I do. I always bring stuff over to my Tialalias. I do. But never at like an olive branch or I didn't know <laughs> that. That sounds that sounds silly. But isn't that funny? I never yeah. even heard of that. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's actually quite a few things. In, yeah, there's quite a few things in this article that, you know, I think maybe are done in the smaller villages where they're still very, very God fearing. You know, like uh, there's one thing called a procession de Señor Mort, you know, the procession of the dead Lord. Never ever heard of that. And I went to Catholic school my entire life, so like grand, you know, elementary school, high school, and college. And I've done Stations of the Cross, and we did the you know whole reenactment of the crucifixion and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but never heard of that that procession. Me There's neither, honey. Two. Yeah. But um, one thing I didn't know is that the well, I mean, I guess I did know that the Easter Bunny that whole thing is a pagan tradition that we've adopted. But I didn't know that the eggs that the Easter Bunny has they represent fertility. They represent life. Yes. Yeah. I didn't yeah, know that. that I, yeah. And that's the reason why you would have that in your sweet bread on top of it. And that would be the difference with making sweet bread any time of the year versus Christmas time. Right. Because the egg represents life. Life. Right. Now, and I, that I knew I, that part, that one I did know. And it's <laughs> funny because we always talk about, you know, symbols and how interconnected we all are. Mm-hmm. I had a, a friend of mine who is Jewish. And so um, when when someone in her family had passed and, and they were holding um, Shiva in their home, they had it so that we, you know, you came in, you paid your respects. They had all their mirrors covered in um just all, all the mirrors were covered in the house. Right. And you, when you came in, you were given or part of the things that you would eat, there was a bowl of boiled eggs. Oh. And I never forgot that. It was kind of a type of thing where I was like, okay, this is like really something that sound, looks familiar to me, but mm-hmm. I don't. And then when I, I was still single at the time and I went home and told my mom and it was like, mom, you know, this and this. And she's like, oh my God, you know, when we, uh, when we were back in the islands and someone would pass away, you know, you get married, you get buried within 24 hours. It's just for this, it's, this is just the traditions that they've always had. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we would have, you know, people would come to the house the same way that, you know, the Jewish now would have Shiva and she goes, and we would cover all our, our uh, mirrors. And, and she's like, and the thing with the egg, she goes, it's just life. It's just telling you that life, it represents life and life will go on and life, you know, it's all, we're all, you know, all of these different things. So it goes on to not only being our tradition of that, but I think all, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different cultures that come yeah. into play with what we do, Angela. Yeah. yeah. We think about how many um, cultures settled and conquered Portugal for a while, you know, like the Moors, the Dutch, the, I mean, yeah. so many, right? Yeah. I, uh, I found out this week, I was reading an article about Molossadas mm-hmm. and first up there, I was reading an article how, you know, Molossadas got into Hawaii. Now we're going on a little tangent here, a little off here, mm-hmm. but someone had, um, said that the fried dough was introduced to the Azores because the Azores is the one who comes up with, you know, being the Malasada, um, 
from San Miguel, but it is a Moorish. Um, okay. Interesting. It, it came from the Moors. Okay. Imagine that. So I wonder, so they must have a very similar dessert. They must. Yeah. Yep. They must. So it's just, um, yeah, we're all, we're all interconnected. Oh yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's a, there's a list of foods we could probably list that uh, have their origins in Portugal, right? So like tempura is yes. actually, it's actually introduced to Japan by the Portuguese. And, um, I think we gave them, we, who did we give Shaw to? Not, I know there's the story about the queen. Oh, we uh, gave it to England. Queen. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then there's, there's a whole bunch of them that I just think are so cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're, um, but then on, on another side note, we make that dough, it's called Rosas de Egypt or Rosas de Forma. And huh. that is a dough that you have almost like a branding iron that you put into the dough, the oil, the, I mean the hot oil, the dough, and then back into the hot oil. And then it, it creates this like beautiful design flower, but it's crispy. I've um, never seen that. I've never, no idea. You have no idea what that is? Oh, no. it's, it's Dutch. Get out. It's Dutch. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was at an, an, of all places, I was at an antique store because I love going to antique marts and I, I love um, old Pyrex bowls and I love like different bowls. I love bowls, period. And so I, <laughs> I go have, in. I've had this discussion about you and your husband I know. and he's wondering if you're going to stop buying bowls. I don't, never. I love bowls. And uh, I feel that I'm going to use that bowl for something one day. But I found like in like a little corner, like these small molds with the um, like these attachments that would screw onto it. And they were smaller than the one that my mom that I have from my mom that belonged to my mom. And I'm looking at it. And I'm like, what? This is a small version of what my mom had um, that she had from Portugal that she brought with her here. Mm -hmm. And now you can see them uh, being sold in some markets, but not only to, uh, not only recently that I've been seeing more and more of it. But I'm looking at the packaging it came from, and it goes into the history of this fried dough thing and how it was made in you know, in, in, in what's, uh, what's Dutch? Oh my God. Netherlands. Netherlands. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And there you go. It's again, the Dutch invaded us. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense that they would bring that with them because that was one of their desserts and why we make it. But Have we think our wife made it. It's in my cookbook. Oh, okay. I'll have to go it's, find it. <laughs> yeah. It's called Roses de Egypt. Uh, okay. Roses of Egypt. And because the design on the on my mom's um, uh, brand or branding, whatever of that thing, I could I I can't explain it. I bet if you heat it up and you would it would brand someone, but you're not branding someone. <laughs> you're you're taking it, you're putting it in hot oil. Yeah, folks, I'm not telling anyone to go brand anyone out there. Um, but if you take it and you would put it in the very hot oil and then you dip it into the batter, it's a very thin batter, and then you dip it back again into the oil. That's when it would fry the the dough would stick to the that uh, form and then it fries crisp really crisp and then it kind of almost like leaves apart disenlarges from that design and then when you take it out you put sugar over it and um it's crispy 
it it's delicious. It's oh. so so good. Um, and that would that would be something that my mom would also make for uh, for Easter in a, every once in a blue moon because it it's time consuming. It's a time consuming thing, but well worth it. Does that does it take a long time? What's like? Is it on the level of like difficulty? Is it kind of difficult to make? Do you have to? I imagine you have to make it a few times before you master it. It yeah, but uh, but I make it easy for you because I told you uh, because I say exactly what to do so you don't screw up like I did. Because uh, the first time when I did it, I'm like dipping it into the dough, and it wasn't like sticking on. But then I would go back to the oil, and then it would stick on, but not that well. And then I'm like, "What the heck is going on here?" And then it would burn right away, and I'm be like, "What?" You know, so. I, I ruined many. And then I finally found the rhythm. And the rhythm is you put the clean one into the oil when it's hot. It's at like 350 because that's the time. That's the temperature to fry. Okay. So you put that in there in the oil. You get it nice and hot. And then once it's still hot and uh, almost like has the oil in the in its little nooks and crannies and all that, that's when you take it. And you put it, you dip it right into the batter. And the batter is very thin. It's not a very thick batter. It's a thin batter. And you put it in there. And when you do that, the batter just adheres to that, to that design that's there in that form. And then once you have it there, then you put it back into the hot oil and that's when it fries. And then when you see it getting all like the nice color and crisp like you'll see it the color changing and that's when you take it out because if you leave it too long it'll burn and then you take it out and it just kind of slides off it falls off the mold and then you you put it into um a tray of where you know you have paper towels there so kind of absorbs the extra oil if there's any and then it goes into another uh platter with um sugar if you want cinnamon on it too you can do that and then you eat it fresh and it's crispy it's crispy Mm, that sounds delicious it's so good so good yeah all this talk i think i'm i'm gonna have to um actually better plan out our our menu this year you know (laughs) have like two different fish dishes for the friday and saturday and then yeah oh i'm gonna tell you a quick fish dish Okay. This is my easiest. I know we're talking about Easter, but this is one of my easiest fish dishes I have. And it's something my mom would make depending on what mood she was in. She didn't have much time or like something really fast. You want to get it done. Okay. Okay. So for fish, um, a white fish, we're talking about a fresh cod or a fresh uh, halibut or but a fresh fish. We're not talking about any dry fish here that okay. you've reconstituted or anything. This is a fresh fish. Okay. And um, so what you're going to do is you're going to make a sublada. And a sublada, okay. or the best way to put it is, a sublada is just putting olive oil into the pan. You're going to cut up, oh my goodness, like two or three onions. Because onions, once you sweat them down and you cook them down, they kind of um, go go very quickly. And, uh, right. So you're going to saute your onions with olive oil until they become translucent. And then you're going to add some garlic in there. 
you're going to have in the summertime, we would use fresh tomatoes, but in the wintertime, like right now, you're not going to have fresh tomatoes. So you can buy the ready, the ready made or ready, um, the pastini, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. kitchen ready tomatoes or whatever. And you're going to add that into the pan. And I'm using a large, how can I explain it? Um, not a, a large like frying pan, large deep uh, skillet pan. Okay. And um, so I've got all the onions going with the garlic and the tomato, and I'm sauteing everything together until um, the onions are at what you would eat it at. So you don't, okay. you know, it, you want it a little bit, a little bit more mushy. You let it go a little bit more. It all depends on you know what the consistency that you like. Personally, I could eat onions raw, so for me, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't take long for me. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, and then at that point now, you can add a little bit of wine into it. I mean, you can take this up. You can elevate it a little bit. And you okay. can add some wine into it. You can add your hot chopped red peppers into it so that now you can have some heat in the um, the tomato onion base that you're making there. Okay. So once you have it at where you want with the onions and stuff or just about because you're, you're going to continue cooking it a little bit longer here once you add the fish. You're going to take your fish that you've bought at the fish market, and it's been cleaned. It's all nice, and um, and I usually get a half a pound per person because that's, um, that's the right amount to serve someone. It's a half a pound because okay. by the time it cooks down, it kind of goes down a little bit more. So if you get a half a pound per person, that's perfect. And so you're going to lay that on top. And usually before I lay it on top, I've already put on it a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, a little paprika, and I just lay it flat on top of that tomato onion base that uh-huh. you have going on. Okay. And I just lay that all on top. They're seasoned. They're fine. I lower the heat and I cover it. Oh. Just cover the pan. Cover okay. the pan. And I'm you're going to cook it depending, again, on how thick the fish is obviously if the thicker the fish the longer it takes to cook but it doesn't take that long it's about like 10 minutes i'm thinking i need even that sometimes because you'll see the fish all of a sudden turning white it's no longer opaque it's turning its color it's you know all of that and and sometimes i'll lift it up and kind of poke it to make sure that it's uh cooked through and covered up again because the but you don't want to do that too often because that steam that poaching is really what you're doing to the fish. Okay. And then all of a sudden the fish is cooked. So now you have this, um, amazing poached fish that you've quickly made. That's really healthy and delicious. And you have now the tomato and onion that you can you right over it, right under it. And then I chop some nice parsley and I put that on top of it all. And sometimes I'll, I'll have some um, boiled potato on the side mm. and I'll do the fish. I'll put the fish on the plate and then I'll get the boiled potatoes that I've uh, done mm-hmm. and, and then put the sablada on top of the potatoes too. Oh wow. my goodness. <laughs> It is it Sounds is the good. fastest easiest recipe for fish, for anyone who says oh I don't have time and to have you, if it, it does not take time at all it does not okay. and and sometimes I make sablada and I have it put away, it's almost like our Portuguese sauce, because yeah. 
it's a, a lot of onions and it's it's cut in half moons. It's nothing where I'm I'm cutting it in like little pieces or chopping it. I'm chopping it, you know, I cut up my onion in half and then I cut it in slices in half moons and then I break it apart and okay, that's okay. how I like my onions, you know. Um okay. but so if you're making something and you're running out of going, oh I need to do that, you can always have the sablada made already and put it into the pan, you know what I mean? And kind of heat it up a little before you start, you put the fish on it and you're, you're, you're there. Mm-hmm. You're already there. Um, and you can do that with any fish, right? Any fish. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Any fish. That sounds yeah, really I, good. So is I that love, recipe in your book too? It is. It is. It actually is. It's the poached fish. Okay. Um, yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, and my husband loves that. And the other, th- well, another thing, and I'll, I know we're coming to our hour here. Yeah. We're, we're, we by. It flew by. My God, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, oh, well, let me tell you another one. No, I'm not going to tell you another one. I will tell you another one next time. But, I mean, we talked about Easter a little bit. I, I hope that we brought some memories back for people. I know besides the sweetbread, it's the amandwage, the, the, the sugar-covered almonds uh-uh, that you would yeah. have at home. I mean, I saw that in the market the other day and I had to have some. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, that's like childhood memories coming back for me. My dad coming from the market with some almonds for us, the candied almonds that we could all enjoy because we could only get it at this time of the, the season. But to me, that to me, that's the that's the number one thing. It's those candied almonds and the sweet bread with the egg inside. That's yeah. I don't that's know. It. I don't know about out there, but candied almonds were wedding favors for a long time. Yes. And so I just don't. I'm so over them. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I had so many growing up. It's just like ugh, I don't want. Uh, so I, so, I associate them more with weddings than I do oh. with Easter. Yeah, so. it was the multicolored, um, yeah. you know, the yellows, the pinks, the blues, yeah. the greens, you know, those. Yeah. Whenever I see that in any, you know, I'm like, oh, Easter's here because we only get it around that time. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, well, but this has been fun. It has this been fun. fun. And, that, and I can't wait. We can talk after Easter to find out how, how it went and if my if my fish dishes turned out. And yes. I, don't know, I think my mom is having Easter. We sort of alternate, go back and forth. And oh, we'll nice. see what we make uh, this oh, year. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I, I can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah, I might have right, to try and make something. Yes. All right. Well, you have a wonderful one, and we'll see you all back real soon at our next podcast. Yep. Thanks, everybody. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to our Portuguese Table podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so on SoundCloud or iTunes. And all episodes can be found on our website at www.ourportuguesetable.com. You can also reach us at feedback at ourportuguesetable.com with comments, questions, or suggestions. Até a próxima! próxima.